Well, I do have a uh, a new Patreon member to welcome today, and I'm going to read you her message. Christina, Christina with a K. Ooh, K-R-Y. Uh, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. She says, after listening to almost all of the free episodes on Apple Podcasts, I joined the Patreon. The research that John does is thorough and vivid. I can't get surprise shots out of my head. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> and as a teacher who listens during my plan time, when I'm cleaning my room or setting up labs, I sing along and laugh out loud at the three of you. But my favorite is Nicole. Sorry, I had to get like, couldn't not get excited. She is the perfect balance between stubborn John and opinionated Jen. Those adjectives are said with love. Nicole is patient, empathetic, and sweet. And the three of you together keep me coming back for more. It's St. Patrick's Day? On Thursday. Why are you wearing green now? Because this is a St. Patrick's Day episode. This has nothing to do with St. Patrick's Day. It doesn't I even, matter. <laughs> I didn't even know it was coming up. Well, <laughs> I finally forgot to. You guys are not Irish, so you wouldn't yeah. know. Oh. It's fine. That's why we're doing car bombs. Yes, that's oh, correct. Um, also, I want to go to Ireland very, very badly. I think that my spouse is across the pond. You should just go. Is he drunk in a gutter? No, they don't have gutters in ireland oh so he's just <laughs> drunk in the sheep field in the bar and that's normal <laughs> and acceptable there fuck so, man so speaking of wait, wait did y'all put are y'all putting that shit in diet coke no no this i'm is just guinness. drinking oh. diet coke. <laughs> no i'm talking about the car bombs no, no. this is oh. guinness yeah. this is guinness <laughs> okay good i was like we did this last year this is turning into a tra- tradition yes uh, so surprise shots Surprise shots. We don't know what they are except for today. Nice uh, little spin on it. All right. I remember this like curdling last time. If you didn't drink it fast enough, or was that something else? That was something else. You're a fucking beast, man. I am. God damn, you like laughed us. I could have done two in the time it took for you guys to do one. And I would have if I had more whiskey. Uh. Bailey's in here. Who was that shit for, anyway? It was for me. Strictly for me. Um, And I think I'm going to sit with my Guinness stash for the entire episode. What do you think? Do it. We have that beer fridge. You can throw it in there if you want. This one was for Laura. Thank you, Laura. Hey, everyone. Thanks for the the great support on the blog. All your comments and stuff. We're about to do the raffle here. But just shouting out some people real quick on this is the Kristen Gilbert case. Uh, let's see. I see you, Melissa, Marty, Rachel, Ashley. Another great, really great episode as always. I was surprised about the comments regarding lack of protection for coworkers, whistleblowing on suspicious activity. Mm. And this is the nurse that uh, killed people. Brandon, I see you there. Oh, you put some, he, oh, he, he made a little image that says VD. Welcome to your local VD. (laughs) (laughs) Brandon still wants to go out drinking in Greenville, he said. Yeah. Yeah, I know, man. I see you up there. Uh, I think we're going up there on Easter. We could get together if you want. Just keep in mind, we got three dogs. You well, he may you- have Easter plans. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you Some people actually do things on Easter. And um, Sydney, I see you. You guys can go back to Thomas Creek. Mm-hmm. You know, they follow me on Instagram. Well, I know. They were a great place. Yeah, I liked them. And they have a really good... Um, 
I don't re- I don't know if it's seasonal or if they only did it la- that a couple years ago, but it was like a strawberry cherry or strawberry. Sa- it was it was a sour. I think it was really really good. Yum. It tasted like a strawberry starburst. Tonight we are doing the Michael Swango Double O Swango case. This is a two part case. If you're on live chat, then you're seeing this right now. We're on Google Earth. Google. You must said Googs. I know. I'm like already. You already said Googs. Well, you technically had two drinks already. You had a beer and a shot. Yeah, and he doesn't even have a, another drink in he his doesn't. hand. Do yeah, because well, y'all didn't give me one. Want a Guinness? I guess so. Since it's like two weeks till St. Patrick's Day, we got to celebrate now for some reason. You know what? Fuck you. Here's this. Wow. Wow. That was nice. Man. Gotta open it for him. Sometimes okay. you need tough love. It's better than no love <sighs> that I get. Yeah. Well. Is this a college campus? Yeah. Oh, in the <laughs> University of Illinois. It says said, it. I just said <laughs> University of Illinois. <laughs> Almost as cool as Guineas Phage. Guineas Phage, yeah. Here's to Guineas Phage. <laughs> to Guineas Phage. To Guineas Phage. Cheers. All right, so we're going to the University of Illinois. We are doing the Michael Swango, Double O Swango License to Kill. Ooh, I like that. And tonight we are again talking to Special Agent Bruce Sackman as per his interview. I hope you guys like that Kristen Gilbert story. This is the one of the other serial killers that Bruce Sackman sought and chased after for many years. There are a couple more in the book, too, but these are the two big ones. Michael Swango being the, the real big one. If I had to put him into words, as you're going to see, he is the Ted Bundy of serial killers in the medical field that's that's who we're talking about tonight that's a uh-huh. big statement yeah right there. it is so did you know that there is a ted bundy a ted bundy movie that stars chad michael murray oh interesting as ted bundy it like from his one tree hill days i think it's a recent movie so after one tree hill i hate Thought he like disappeared from he, the face of the earth. He kind of did, but he did play Ted Bundy recently. All right, tonight we're going to the University of Illinois. If you're looking at your screen right now, I put all these photos on talkmurder.com. This is episode 310. This is the uh, Michael Swango case. Very evil, evil person. Boo. This is Cynthia Ann McGee. We're starting with her tonight. You see her there if you want to describe her for us. She has light eyes and probably light to medium hair color. Um, be- very, very nice smile. Probably I'd say t- mm, 20s. It looks like she could be a supermodel, well, honestly. She's, yeah, she's 19. So you see there yeah. her death. 15th, January, 1984. Cynthia Ann McGee, 19 years old, gymnastic scholarship student. She's actually at the University of Illinois for gymnastics. Cynthia Ann McGee, she was full-ride scholarship for gymnastics. She was actually being trained by a world-renowned coach. And 
if this story didn't happen, she would have 100% from what everyone says made the Olympics. 100%. That's what her goal was. She was extremely talented. 19 years old. November 1983, her life was changed forever. She was riding her bicycle on campus with her boyfriend, and she got hit by a car. She gets hit by a car in November 1983, pelvis broken, arm, leg broken, and minor head injuries. But that's not how she died. In fact, she spent a little over a month in the hospital in Illinois, and her childhood friend, she's from Ohio, her childhood friend actually drove up or drove over to see her and from that friend and from all the doctors, she was nearly recovered, completely recovering and almost there. Now, she was so far recovered in her progress that the doctor allowed the family and allowed her to leave the hospital and be transferred for a few weeks to the Ohio State Medical Hospital because that's where she's from. So that's where her family's from and all her friends and they want to sign her cast, stuff like that. Now, she did have head injuries, but for a doctor to allow the transfer of a 19-year-old to another hospital that's two states away, that tells me that she is not going to, you know, she is not going downhill. She's, she's almost there. Mm -hmm. She's almost recovered. And her, her future, her future was real bright. I saw a lot of quotes about her and this is her right here is in her gymnastics. You can see, uh, see her there with the big trophy. That's her right there. Very sad. The car wreck didn't kill her, but the fact that she transferred to Ohio did because she transferred to Ohio State where Michael Swango, which we talked about last week. If you haven't heard the Kristen Gilbert story, it's called Murder Curtains. Go back and listen to that because we interview the special agent that actually brought her in. And he also was responsible for bringing Michael Swango in, but it's, I would definitely start at that episode, but we're going to be hearing from, uh, we're going to be hearing from that interview. The indictment filed by assistant attorneys, Joseph Conway and Gary Brown says Swango crept into McGee's hospital room and injected her with potassium causing cardiac arrest. McGee initially was hospitalized in Champaign, but her doctor finally decided it was safe for her to go to a hospital near her home in Ohio, said Michael Korn, a lawyer for Scott Bone, the teenager who hit McGee. McGee was making a storybook recovery when two or three days later, she was dead. We were sitting back here saying, what happened? Korn said. Now, the teenager, Scott Bone, he was actually tried for manslaughter. And now at the time, no one suspected that she was murdered. They thought that her, the accident 
had killed her, but she actually died of a heart attack, which is at 19 years old in, in the shape she's in. And none of her injuries had anything to do with that. It's just, you know, very strange, very strange. So in the case against the, the person that hit her, it made it seem like she died. Like, yeah. So they thought it was him. Due to the injuries from the accident when in actuality, that is not what happened. Exactly. So think about him. I mean, obviously he made a mistake, but now he's getting tried for manslaughter because she ends up dead. I mean, uh, that simple mistake. Now you think that what you did, mm-hmm. that little mistake, and she's going to recover. Now she's dead. I mean, that's got to weigh on his conscience yeah, too. Right. All right. So tonight we are reading from the book Murder Curtain again. Behind the murder curtain, Special Agent Bruce Sackman hunts doctors and nurses who kill our veterans. Bruce Sackman, I interviewed Bruce Sackman, extremely intelligent guy, and I could listen to him talk forever. So this is the second part to that interview. This is a crazy story. I don't think a lot of people have heard of this guy before, Michael Swango, but Probably one of the most prolific killers in all of history, I would imagine. Most likely well over 300. This guy, and I put a little note in here later, he was basically, and this makes sense later, but this guy walking through the halls of multiple hospitals, cloaked and protected in his white doctor suit with his stethoscope and his Tom Cruise looks with his tan. It Bruce Sackman in this book says he looks like he just came off a golf course. Do we at have all a times. picture of yeah, I'm a, I'm a sh- Tinka? Okay. I'm going to show you this guy. I'm like dying to see what this guy looks like. He's freaking like, so the nurse is all, you know, oh, hey, doctor. Swoon over Swango Tango. And this guy walks from room to room to room and is just killing patients. He is a serial killer thriving in this environment. So I can just imagine him walk in with a swagger and just walks into a room. 20 minutes later, the guy codes, code blue, heart attack. And then he's just like walking to the next room. I mean, that's not an exaggeration at all. That is exactly what he was doing. Can I ask a question? Maybe. Okay, well, I'll ask it. You don't have to answer it right now, I guess. So, in comparison to Kristen Gilbert, where she would intentionally make the patients go like code, and then she would like kind of get off them, on yeah. saving them, is he the same way, or is he just like killing them and leaving? That's a good question. So he, Michael Swango, what you're going to hear tonight, he doesn't want to just kill them and leave because he is fascinated with death, fascinated by how the body shuts down. So he sits there and he watches the patients die. And then after that, as you're going to hear in in one case specifically, he calls the widow to tell him, to tell the widow, hey, your your husband's dead. And then he calls again to give more details. And he just kind of sits on the phone because he wants to hear that emotion coming back. 
and he, he basically harasses the the victim's spouses because he just wants to hear like what they have to say and he just wants to he's just so fascinated with it so he'll sit in there forever there's multiple occasions where he got caught injecting stuff he would just pass it off as vitamins and stuff like that the the difference between michael swango and kristen gilbert is in this country i learned nurses are not as respected as doctors and we have a lot of nurse friends that listen to this so you guys can chime in on the blog Mm -hmm. if you guys want in other countries it's different the nurses are more highly respected so in multiple cases with this guy a group of nurses will go talk to the hospital administration hey this doctor is killing people and 100 percent of the time that administration would side with the doctor which was a freaking psychopathic serial killer in this case. Anyway, we are uh, watching some of the Bruce's interview. He is a special agent that caught this guy. And I told him in an email uh, yesterday, I was like, I just want to say thank you so much because a lot of vet. So he's a veterans affair. He worked, he worked in the veterans affairs. I was like a lot of veterans, especially the old timers the old war timers they don't have the family that comes visits all the time so they have nobody to look out for them Mm. so that's what he's doing or he was doing in his career and if you think about it the veterans affairs the hospitals that's a that's an extremely small segment of the healthcare in america yeah very and he has caught some of the most outrageous serial killers in that field so Take that small segment of the VA and think about how many of these people are in the the public sector mm-hmm. that are not caught, that are probably listening to this and saying, huh, you know, yeah. you never know, but I killed freaking 300 people or whatever. I'm sure there are so many of those. Exactly. And I actually, I'll play a video in a second because I asked him, I caught him off guard. I said, what do you think about now, like with COVID? You think this is... You think they're hiding in plain sight oh, with COVID? That's it's a, like a good freaking, question. It's like a uh, killing field for serial killers. They're probably all giddy going to work. Oh, my God. I can just blame COVID for this shit. This fucking... I mean, who knows, man? Well, I know in Massachusetts, um, there's there was news about the amount of COVID deaths st- that were coded as COVID deaths changing and decreasing because more were charged to covid than actually were i didn't read the whole article so i can't really comment specifically but that was kind of the headline all right so this is uh bruce's background just in case you guys didn't listen to the uh, other one let me see if i can i gotta drag this shit over here what the where did it go i love this guy he's great this is bruce's background here my background is since i was the the, in the inspector general of the va and I was the special agent in charge of the Northeast region, so I was responsible for all major criminal investigations involving the VA hospital system from West Virginia to Maine. That's why initially my concentration was all on the VA. Mm -hmm. But if somebody thinks that this phenomenon is unique to the VA, that's absolutely incorrect. I mean, these nurses and doctors who have murdered their patients have occurred all over the world. One of the good things about the VA is that there is an inspector general 
to look into these allegations. Whereas in the private sector, there is no real inspector general to look into these allegations. So what happens is that many times will fall on the local police. Mm. And the local police, depending on the jurisdiction, don't really have the financial resources or sometimes the expertise to really delve into these cases the way we were able to in the federal government. He still does, uh, he goes to different law enforcement agencies and even like Germany, like I said. I did, the last one I did in person was at the International Homicide Investigators Association in Washington, D.C. That was the last in-person one I had. And the others were in Zoom, but I, I really do enjoy traveling and giving the presentations, particularly to people in the medical profession, mm-hmm. particularly to, um, to nurses or people that are involved in medical credentialing. In other words, making sure that the doctors and nurses have the right credentials mm-hmm. uh, before they begin working at the hospital. So I really enjoy speaking to, to those groups. And it's very interesting, the responses I get. You guys excited for this? Mm-hmm. Let's start Let's uh, start with Baron Harris. I couldn't find a picture from of him. He's an older man of 60 years old, Korean War veteran. Mm. So when I, when I started this case, I was like, okay, these guys are all just shit. Not, not the veterans, but the killers. Like, who would kill our nation's heroes? Like, what kind of person would do that? You know, like who would do that? Definitely not a veteran. But as you're going to see, Michael Swango is a former Marine. So he is Uh killing his own his own battle buddies. That's fucked. That's pretty bad. That's fucked. But he's only killing them because the Veterans Affairs is the hospital he landed at. And he's a serial killer and he's not going to be too choosy. He just wants to kill. We're talking about Baron Harris. He was hospitalized for emphysema and pneumonia. He survived completely those diseases, but however, he fell into a coma about 20 minutes after Michael left his room. Baron's wife, Elsie, said, quote, Swango should be put away. He should be dead. He's going around, he's going around killing people. People should be doing the same thing to him, end quote. Mm. Baron Harris Jr., the son, 28-year-old son, says, quote, Swango seemed like a very nice guy. And at first, he was a nice doctor. We didn't expect anything. I remember shaking his hand. So very unassuming. Well, actually, actually, I shouldn't say Michael Swango was the one that killed him. I should say Michael Kirk, because at that time, he was already kind of banned from the medical community. So he was going by an alias, one of many that mm-hmm. he's going to use, Michael Kirk, which is strange like to me. Captain Kirk. It's strange yeah. to me because like your doctorate, I mean, obviously it's, he does it with a copying machine and stuff like that, but the certificates and everything say Michael Kirk. That's not even his name. Ah. You know what I'm saying? Like he is... I didn't even know you could do that. Well, now you can't because it's computers and shit. There's like no fucking way you could get away with that. But he just went by a completely different name and they hired him without like any background checks. <laughs> you know, he could have just been some Yahoo, not even a doctor. I mean, it's fucking crazy. Not even his real name. So <sighs> September 20. 20- Wasn't Dr. Death? Didn't he do something like that? Or did he? I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know. Do you have a picture of Swango Tango? I can't. Okay, fuck. I can't. Yeah, yeah. She wants to know. Yeah. Give okay. the people what they want. Yeah, I'm sorry. But like, there is a reason why this guy is doing this stuff. And it's right, because he's it. really, really, really ridiculously good looking. Like Zoolander. Yeah. What the fuck does that matter? I'm just saying. Good looking people. Good looking people get away with things longer than non good looking people. I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know about that. Um, I not was my type. Ex- I was expecting Daniel Craig from du- <laughs> as 007, honestly. All right, well, maybe that's a bad picture. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm disappointed. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. All right. Like, he's a... Like a Ron Howard type. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a good description, though. Uh, that's better. Uh, what do you want from me? <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I was expecting... Oh, he does look like Luke Skywalker. That's a good picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, see well, a, I see that. I totally see that. Mark Hamlin. Oh, shit. But I... Yeah, I was totally expecting like a Daniel Craig, like... Like, but, is Daniel Craig one of your tongue rolls? No, I'm just, I'm just saying as a 007, like, How who about am I? No. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> He's not definitely not as attractive as I built him up what to be in fu- my head. <laughs> like, what were you doing? Like, fantasizing about this no, guy for a week I and a half? No, I was expecting yeah, someone to just walk in and be like, do what I say. And you'd be like, okay. Well, I mean, he's, you know. Yeah, it's not that, though. It's definitely not that. I'm sorry. Not for me. I'm sorry that he's not ridiculously, ridiculously good looking. What movie is that from? Zoolander. Zoolander. We already established this. All right. I already quoted that, so. Baron Harris is making a recovery from his emphysema and pneumonia. His wife walks into the, the room. Elsie walks into the room, sees Michael Swango right there injecting his IV bag and she's a little taken aback. She's like, Oh, what are you putting? What are you doing? Like, who are you? Obviously you're a doctor, but it's okay. It's okay. Miss Harris. They're just vitamins. Right after that, he goes into a full coma and he dies within the next day. Oh no. Which is crazy because he, he was injecting him the wife walks in. He continues to inject. The wife is watching him kill her husband. And then he sits with him for about five minutes because that's what he does. Well, I feel like it would be worse for him if he were to stop what he was doing when the wife walked in. You know, like at least not at least. But when when he is in there and injecting the drugs or substance that would kill the husband when the wife walks in and if he were to stop what he was doing be like uh like it would mm-hmm. oh, it would yeah. look worse for him than if he was just like oh no oh, don't worry yeah. don't worry oh, it's good here it's fine baron harris korean war war vet dies november 9th elsie and the rest of the family they have to file a malpractice suit against new york state of new york and not michael kirk and the reason for that is because right after this, quote, and this is from the Daily News, his whereabouts are unknown, end quote. This is before they caught him. How many, you said he had multiple aliases? Yeah, he had about three or four. The Associated Press, after this happened, actually 
hired some investigative journalists to track him down, and they were all unsuccessful. However, there were multiple hospitals getting applications from this guy, but no one could find out where he was. So, And did he always go by Michael, or did he... No, there was one other alias I saw that it was hmm. different, yeah. Because you can change your last name, but... You know, get creative at least. Well, you're so used to like probably going by your first name. It's almost easier to just keep that. You oh, know yeah, I, mean? I guess because if you're in a situation where they're like, hey, Chuck, and he like right. doesn't. Yeah. You really have to be paying attention. Yeah. All right. I'm going to talk about his medical education right quick, and then we're going to kind of move on. I am jumping around a little bit, but I think I got the story structure pretty good. So he went to Southern Illinois University School of Medicine. His classmates thought he was a loner. Later at that school, he'll get the name Double O Swango License to Kill. He would actually cram for his test. He was, this guy is extremely bright. Okay, extremely bright. Valedictorian. He smoked literally all of his other classmates in medical school. He didn't really have to try that hard. So right before the test, he would cram all the material and they actually came up with the term swangoing. That's what they would say. Oh, he's swangoing it. During his time there, he worked part-time as a paramedic, which going through medical school and having a job, especially a paramedic, I mean, that is that's a lot on somebody. However, his job performance as far as doing rounds and stuff like that, like he's he knows all everything about the body and sickness and stuff like that. But when he was doing his rounds, he didn't really connect to the patients Mm. very well. And he got low performance marks. He actually was held back a year in that medical school and he was threatened with expulsion, too. Dr. David Chapman, which at one point was his peer, said that he would work with patients. Michael would jot down their entire history, their medical history, their family's medical history. You know how they, you know, you've been to a Mm -hmm. doctor. It Mm -hmm. takes a long time to do that. Right. It would be less than five minutes and then he would be out. Mm. Like he just did not care. I mean, obviously, you guys know he's a psychopath. It would usually take, yeah, it would take an hour for most residents to do that. He would do it in under five minutes. He just did not care. He was accepted to Ohio State University under a new neurosurgery residency, but that only lasted for one year because in 1984, he was, it was not extended. He wasn't fired, but from what they saw, it was another low performance type of thing. This is when he started Killing people, as we know. The first murder we talked about, the 19-year-old, that was supposedly the first murder that has been linked to him. Edward Morgan, an assistant Franklin County prosecutor, said he and Ohio State cops learned the hospitals had conducted a secret internal probe prompted by an unusual number of code blues or emergency alerts that led to several unexpected patient deaths or suspicious illnesses. All occurred in areas where Swango had worked, Morgan said. Morgan reported another strange occurrence. Doctors at a hospital on Swango's rotation became violently ill. Some vomited so hard they broke blood vessels in their eyes Mm -hmm. after eating chicken Swango reportedly purchased at a fast food restaurant. 
The prosecutor said the symptoms were consistent with arsenic poisoning. So they their eyes started to pop and bleed after they ate some church's chicken from Swango. So have you guys ever eaten at churches? That's the one chicken place I haven't tried down here. I don't think I have had church's chicken. One affidavit. Now this is this is in 1984. He is at Ohio State Medical Center and he is poisoned. This is right after he killed the uh, gymnast, right? She had she had moved from from uh, Illinois back to Ohio State to be with her family, and he kills her, which we think is his first. And then he starts poisoning fellow doctors with chicken, putting arsenic. With- chicken and when i say arsenic from now on i mean rat poison because that's what rat poison is is arsenic i didn't know that have you ever heard of arsenic and old lace it's an old play when i was in theater class in high school we watched the movie version of it but eventually the lady kills her husband with arsenic one affidavit one affidavit one affidavit 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 one affidavit, David. David? Ew, David. David. Um, One after you, David. <laughs> One affidavit had a nurse spotting him in a patient's room that wasn't his, quote, putting what appeared to be something into the patient's IV tube line with a syringe. A code blue was called. The patient stopped breathing. She recovered, and we're going to talk about her on the next episode, but she recovered and said that a man tried to poison her and describe Michael Swango. They didn't do anything but tell him that he's got to leave. They didn't like report it or anything. The doctors literally protected him and just said, okay, yeah, we'll sign off. You just go do something else for a while type of shit. Boo. Those bodies were, some of the bodies were recovered because they were trying to to uh, try him at the time, but no poisons were found. However, they did find castor beans in his apartment, which can be used to make an undetectable poison. So if you're if you want to, you know, off somebody, that may be a good solution. Undetectable. Hmm. And nineteen, did you say castor oil, castor beans, castor beans. Also, Are castor I- beans used to make castor oil. I don't know. Also, avocado pits make cy- there's like a small bit of cyanide in them. I heard that. I also read it when you put it on the blog. Oh, did I? You did. Cherry pits and apple seeds. Who also, said that? Lauren. I love cherries. Fresh mm. cherries are so good. Do you know, I like the rainier cherries too, the yellow ones. Those are good. Mm-hmm. Not as messy as the red ones. Still tasty. Mm. Both are tasty. In 1984, a man came in after being injured in an auto accident. This is right before Michael got fired, if you will. And and right after he left Ohio State, 2020 did like an expose on him. So a lot of the mm. hospitals he's trying to join after this, mm-hmm. there will be like one nurse, that, even though he changed the name, that's why he changed the name to Michael Kirk and stuff. They'll be like, wait, no, this is the guy from 2020. It's fucking 2020. That's like a big thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on that. He was on that. Like before the murder, the big murders even started. 
He was wow. on that being investigated. He denied everything. But anyway, 1984, a man came in for an auto accident and he died because he had, quote, a wad of gauze stuck down his throat, end quote. There's no medical medical procedure where you have to shove gauze down somebody's throat. It was ruled a homicide. It was ruled a homicide. And Michael was the, the, the perpetrator. But now, Michael, he's really good at just freaking vanishing. He takes all his shit and he just goes. At this point, he's going to start a new life, basically. And you're about to see. Anyway. This is also the time when I talked about the widow. Michael was calling her repeatedly, trying to get every morsel of sorrow and despair. Oh, and how does that make you feel? She actually reported it to the the uh, the hospital. It's like your doctor's calling and harassing me, trying to get every detail of how I feel about my husband dying. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Mm. So in summer of 1984, he was fired as a doctor fired, if you will, it wasn't like official, but he was let go from Ohio State and he does something that no one would think of. He joins the EMTs. He goes from making $100 a day working in the ER to $10 a day at the time, 1984, as a, as a low level EMT. He's a medical doctor. He's a neurosurgery resident, or he was, and now he's going... I shouldn't say bottom of the line because, you know, we have EMT listeners, but bottom of the line. Yeah. As far as EMT. So it goes EMT, then EMTB and then paramedic, I think. So he went as an EMT. Now, everyone like and EMT is the uh, ambulance drivers, right? Not drivers, but ambulance attendants. Uh, yeah. the Not the drivers, but the ones in the ambulance that mm -hmm. they go and, you know, yada, yada, yada. They're emergency medical technicians, I believe is the. Exactly. Term. And remember what. What Bruce Sackman said about how he loves to be there when someone codes or when someone's about to die, that's the best job ever, right? I mean, you're just riding around, car accidents all day long, explosions, freaking domestic violence, all kinds of shit. You can kill all kinds of people like that. Psycho. This is uh, Bruce Sackman talking about the best profession for serial killers. Someone like Swango, did he enter the medical field for this purpose? Because obviously he loves killing. And I believe that Charles Cullen that you talked about also loved killing. And even the Gilbert case, I believe they all love killing, like you said. So did they purposely enter this field to? You know, that, that, that's a great question. And I've actually wrestled with that question myself. And um, I think most most medical serial killers did not enter the profession with the intention of murdering pe people. I think most of them actually love, when they started working, the power and control that they had over life and death. It's all about power and control. Yeah. I think once they began to exhibit that, that might have brought out some hidden desires of theirs to uh, exercise that power and control. But whether they sat down and said, you know what, I'm gonna become a nurse so I can kill people. I don't really think, there may be different views on that. I don't really think, but let's, let's put it another way, the other side. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's say you're so inclined to commit a series of murders. Uh, what professions and what locations might you choose? 
Well, first, you might choose a profession that has the power, the legal power, we'll say, of life and death over someone. Some serial killers have masqueraded as police officers, but we know that certainly doctors and nurses have that. And then you want to work in a profession where people take an oath to protect and serve. So nobody's going to think that they're intentionally doing it. Nobody's going to think the fireman intentionally is burning down a building. Mm. All right. I mean, people have taken an oath. Yeah. An oath to protect and and serve. So we're not going to suspect them. We don't want us want to suspect them. All right. Hey, you know, real quick. So the the Hippocratic oath. I think I asked them this too, but that's from from where? Hippocrates. 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 Yeah, so Hippocrates Hippocrates made this oath. So think about this is like thousands of years ago, right? So did they did they have this fucking problem back then where people doctors had to take an oath not to fucking kill people? Because that's what the oath says. Like I will do do, no harm. Do no harm. But obviously they had a problem with it even back in that time. Because why else would you have to form an oath? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you had, no, but here's the thought is that I don't know if they had a problem and that's why they had to form an oath or if it was like an official society. And sometimes when you have official societies, you have a credo. No, because it's like when we first started podcasting, we had rules. Remember those eight rules or seven rules because you guys didn't know how to act. And we. that's why we created these rules. Oh, and the quiz. Only we. <laughs> All right, moving on. So at this point, he does what no one else thinks he would do. He joins the EMT making no money. And as an EMT worker, he is going to be kind of made fun of because he is a medical doctor. And for some reason, he's running around with a bunch of EMTs. They are making fun of him. And I don't think it's kind of like in a mean way, but as you'll see with Michael Swango, he actually, he cannot take criticism at all. Like this guy is, cannot take criticism at all. So he gets pretty pissed about that. Anyway, he joins these EMTs and he's in Quincy where he grew up, Quincy, Illinois. And the EMTs said that he loves to be at the scenes of accidents and explosions and anything with death he was always the first on the scene and he actually started turning up at the scenes like car accidents even when he was off duty oh which what he's just like i'm here well no no no. present no 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 it's not like here i'm i'm here to help because this is what rubbed people the wrong way his co-workers he would show up in the middle of the night when he's supposed to be off duty in civilian clothes with a camera looking through the car window taking pictures of the victim or the the uh the accidenter was it the person that got in the accident he would be taking pictures snapping shots like of the blood and the gore I mean, what do you what would you think if you're an EMT and this guy that's not supposed to be here shows up before you do and is already taking pictures and he's not even fucking helping. He's just taking fucking pictures. Cry, cry. Fucking crazy, man. Yeah. 
So they started kind of giving him shit, not liking him. He can tell, and he does not like that. Former Marine, uh-uh. So one day he brings in a bunch of donuts. What? Nothing. Donuts. I like donuts. Donuts. And now she's on DoorDash. But I I feel like that's a a risky move, knowing he likes to give people arsenic or whatever. Well, Well, he doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah, he's a psychopath. He does not care. In fact, when he does get imprisoned, they offer him help because he's he's a psychopath. Right. You know, I'm only three quarters of a psychopath. One of the EMTs tried the donuts. His name was Brent Unmasig. Unmasig? Um, Unmasig. U-N-M-I-S-I-G. This is from the shadowy doctor from the Lacrosse Tribune. The shadowy doctor. Ooh. That's the headline. Oh, I like that. Brent Unmasig, he tried the donuts and he said that they didn't, it's not that they didn't taste right, but... He said they didn't bounce back. I guess that's like a term. Like the the flavor didn't just just shoot back. Anyway, Michael Swango, because they, they said it was like, there's something not right about these. So Michael Swango was like, yeah, sorry, guys. They're day olds, you know, day old donuts. Ah, but they didn't know they weren't day olds. He just laced them with rat poison rat poison that he would carry around in his bag, in his medical bag. Like, he would carry it around. And the reason they know he's going to carry it around is because they, they eventually raid his locker, and there's a fucking rat poison, which is arsenic. Why would you keep that in your locker? Because he's going to be doing it all day long, as you're about to see. But, like, put it in a plastic bag or something. Like, be smart about it. At least make them think it's cocaine or something. <laughs> what? Like, if you have a box of rat poison, like, it's clearly rat poison. You're not supposed to go through someone's locker. But if you have it in a plastic bag and it's this white powder, you can think, oh, this person has a cocaine problem. Not, <laughs> not oh, this person is killing people with well, rat poison. Well, these are his EMT co-workers and they're all throwing up in the toiletries. They're probably not going to think it's a bunch of cocaine. You don't throw up from cocaine. You have a great time. And you go out. Is that what you, happened? You're sitting in your car. and well, you're. No, <laughs> I wouldn't either. That's why I'm asking. But what I'm saying is if they raid his locker and you see a box of rat poison, that's like clear evidence. But if you have in a plastic bag, it's like, oh, what is this white powder? Like, you're not going to think that he is putting cocaine in those person's donuts and shit. If, if those people are having symptoms that are not. Like, similar with cocaine, you'll just think that this person has cocaine in his locker and he has a cocaine problem, and then you need to... Wait, wait, problem or solution? But but you think that this problem... Do you think that this person has an issue with using cocaine and not that he's a serial killer? So you really need to take okay, advantage and, of the Ziploc bags, And also a bag of cocaine is would be a shit ton of money, so... <laughs> Like a kilo of cocaine? I didn't say it was a kilo. Well, you say a plastic bag, and then you're doing your hands like this, like it's a lot. No, I just do these hand motions naturally. Like, I could do, I don't know, if you want to go line for line, I could do probably six lines right now if you want to do it. I don't. (laughs) Thank you for offering. I don't know where you got your cocaine from, so I'm not going to take that chance. It's from under the sink. Right. All right. So. With the rat poison. 20 minutes after Brent eats this donut 
He is in the bathroom vomiting and sweating profusely. He feels like he's about to die. The next day, they're at this high school football game. You know how the ambulance will just be on standby? That's what they're doing. Michael's in there, and he offers everyone if he can go and get some soft drinks, some Coke, a cola. He does. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for clarifying. Pepsi. So Pepsi, no Coke. Pepsi. So actually, if you want to read this, Nikwanda, this is from the Lacrosse Tribune. If you want to read this. Brent Unmissig ate one and vomited. The next night, the paramedic says Swango handed him a soft drink at a football game. He got sick again. He and the other paramedics discovered that their symptoms, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, headaches, matched those of arsenic poisoning. He is blatantly poisoning his coworkers that are also in the medical field. Is that not fucking nuts? That is nuts. And he does it on multiple occasions. The reason he gets caught for this, because he spends two years in jail for this, in prison, for poisoning his EMT co-workers. He makes tea, like sweet tea for the co-workers. It's kind of like a routine, kind of like making coffee. Mm. He does it, and the reason he carries his rat poison at work is because he's also pouring it as he's making the tea. He puts rat poison in the tea. And then... Uh, Brent here, the EMT, they they talk about they do like a fake call. They all get together and it's like something's not right. We got to catch this guy. They do. They send him out for like 45 minutes on a fake call. They take that tea and they send it to a lab. Now, what's ironic about this is the guy that tests the tea for arsenic is Swango's old chemistry professor, which gave him a glowing review, which got him the medical jobs in the first place. <laughs> kind of a around the world type of thing. Anyway, he says they tested the tea and this was after they raided his locker and found ant poison, literally ant poison you buy at Home Depot with the fucking ants on it. Ugh. Like ants. Yeah. You know? He makes the tea and the professor comes back and says this tea has twice the lethal dose of arsenic. Damn, Daniel. If they would have drank that tea, they would have all been dead. But he's just so bra- It's like he did not give a shit. He would have killed everyone and just tried to be like, I don't know what happened. You can't prove it. Isn't that fucking nuts? Mm-hmm. If they didn't test that tea and they would have drank it, they would have all been dead. Twice the the lethal limit. Even when he was in medical school, he was known as Double O Swango, licensed to kill, because his fellow students even suspected something of him, but they couldn't prove anything. And he eventually graduates and he goes to Ohio State University on an internship and people are dying unexpectedly and they can't prove anything. And then he uh, leaves that hospital because they suspected something but couldn't prove it. And he becomes an EMT. And while he's an EMT, one day he brings in donuts and the donuts are sprinkled with arsenic. And he poisoned his coworkers. That's crazy. And um, they weren't sure exactly what happened, but they suspected him and they were not stupid. And the next 
about a week or two later, he brings an iced tea. Yeah. They don't take the iced tea, but they have it tested and it's loaded with arsenic. And the police go to his house and they find arsenic and books on poisoning. He gets sent to, to prison. The judge, the judge is the one that actually makes sure, because the judge knows what this guy is. He knows that when this guy gets out, as you're about to see in the next episode, he ain't even started. And not even in this country. This guy actually kills a shit ton of people in Africa. We're going to get to that one, too. But the judge knows that this guy ain't done yet. So he gives him the maximum sentence, which is five years because it's manslaughter. Yeah. Right. Or, uh, excuse me, attempted manslaughter. And so five years. He says the judge, which is going to come, he's going to come up later, says that for two weeks, Michael Swango stared at him with, quote, piercing eyes. End quote, which is unusual because most defendants aren't going to even look at the judge. But this guy's just staring at him for two fucking weeks. He gives him five years. And not only that, he sends out, well, he keeps track on him. And he knows as soon as he gets out, because he got out on good, good behavior, he sends, I think it was like 127 uh, copies of this warning to different universities to different hospitals that sit with his picture this is do not hire this guy and not only that the judge when he sentenced him to to prison he put a big old note in there that says what do you think it says when he's in prison do not let this guy work in the kitchen (laughs) 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 fuck holy shit because when he when when he gets caught which we're going to talk about on the next episode he actually poisons a shit ton of people in the prison damn so anyway, oh, wow. he gets five years in jail. The judge gives him the maximum just because he knows that this guy's going to get out and do the same thing over and over. After Swango was arrested, tarot and poison, books on Satanism, guns, har- guns, survival knives, and recipe cards for pesticides, botulism, and cyanide mixtures were found in his apartment. Some co-workers were not surprised. Trial testimony painted a grisly portrait. Swango cheering TV reports of a shooting rampage in California saying every time I get a good idea, someone beats me to it. Expressing admiration for serial killers. Wow, what a loon. Before his release in a 1986 interview with the ABC TV show 2020, he again denied wrongdoing. Quote, I could never do any of the things that I have allegedly been done, he said. Quote, I think my whole life speaks for that. Everything I've done in the past, my work, both as a paramedic and as a doctor, and I simply could not have done those things. That was from the Daily Press, 26 February 1994. This is kind of what they found in his apartment. So you see the ant poison there. You see that book at the back is a book on how to poison people, how to create poison. I remember I used to have something like that called the Anarchist Cookbook. Did you really? Yeah, that... I don't have it anymore. I might order a copy. So it's always good to have. Remind me to not let John cook for me. So here's uh, poisons, chemicals, and books on how to kill people sit in an evidence locker in Quincy, Illinois. So I guess we're going to stop here for this episode. Until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. <laughs>